Welcome to the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your life better. Welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast. I wanted to do something a little bit different this week, and I've got Callie Hunter on. Callie Hunter is a chronic wellness coach, and while she does not have axial spondyloarthritis, what she can bring to the table to help those of us dealing with any type of chronic illness, I thought was so valuable that it, it made so much sense to have her on. And, and Callie, how are you doing today? I'm so good, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, you know, I found you through Instagram as I was doing some searching on, I don't even remember what, and <laughs> I really liked a lot of what you had to say. And, and as I indicated, well, it's not specific to the illness that I have. It is about mm-hmm. chronic pain, chronic wellness, dealing with all that stuff that life brings along. And I thought, man, what a great person to get on the show to talk to the audience about how to how to best move forward when you're dealing with a chronic illness and and how to try and live life as best you can. Yeah. Well, I'm honored that you thought that and thought of me. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. Tell everybody a little bit about what is a chronic wellness coach. What do you consider your day-to-day job as you do this? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think... So I I have a condition. I got sick about five years ago, um, and I'm also a psychologist. So, but my specialty is with kids. But I have a background in mental health, and sort of one of the first things I did when I started healing was I started looking into the research because you know I was <laughs> I was a research assistant for two years. I'm a data nerd, um, and I wanted to know is there something that sort of universal about what we all go through when we have a chronic illness, because the more people that I talked to, the more I heard sort of the same story, even though we had different illnesses, it seemed like we all kind of went through this same narrative. And so I was like, okay, I wonder what the research has to say about this. And lo and behold, there is a lot of research out there and it's kind of dated, but there's some, you know, back in the 2000s, um, even all the way back into the 80s that has found that most people, and this isn't everyone, I'm not lumping all of us with an illness into the same category, but for the majority of people who have a chronic illness, we tend to go through a loss of a sense of self or a loss of identity because whatever your illness is, it impacts you on a physical level. And that in turn impacts you on an emotional level. Um, And the things you could do before in some areas and sometimes in a lot of areas you can't do anymore. And so, okay, if I can't go and play with my kids anymore, what kind of a mom am I? If I can't play, and this wasn't for me, but if I can't play this certain sport, what kind of an athlete am I? You know, if I can't use my hands in the way that I used to before, what kind of an artist am I? I think there's just so many ways that illness 
outstrips who we were before. And so then what I think often happens that we then identify with the sick. There's a fine line, I think, between validating your emotions and, and the difficulty and the struggle with that stripping of identity and and allowing yourself to become it. <laughs> and so what I found was when I tried to live and build a new identity, not completely forgetting the person I was before, coming back to the person I was before, but in new and beautiful ways um, and really focused on a wellness mindset. And this doesn't happen for everyone, but for me, I did find that my body actually started to heal. And even the pain that I was experiencing, it was less. And I found actually more research to support, um, you know, different types of creative acts as healing acts themselves or as ways to reduce pain. And the more that I found about all of this, the more I wanted to share because I lived in a hell for a while and I didn't want other people, so many people that, I mean, I think they say one in six people have a chronic illness. So I didn't want to see so many people stuck like I was. Um, and I felt like I had this answer. And um, so now with my coaching, I really try to be specific um, because it, I'm, I really, I really hate a lot of the life coaching that's out there. That's just very general and woo wooey. Um, and I try to bring my background, yeah, my background as a psychologist um, with research and everything that I did find out about in my own experience, on, on kind of just re-becoming, re-identifying who you are, and living well within a chronic illness, and living in that wellness mindset instead of living in an illness mindset. That was a really long answer to a question. <laughs> no, but it makes sense. I I look back at myself and I know through the oh, 40 years I've been dealing with ankylosing spondylitis that I can think mm-hmm. of many times where you slip into a, oh, a depressive state, uh, whether sure. it be loss of, in my case, when I, when I no longer worked, my identity, my self-worth I felt was tied to my job. And mm-hmm. once that was gone, it really took some time to come to grips to realize that I was not defined by that biweekly paycheck that came home. And that was, especially as a man, I think that was even more so of a a kick in the groin, so to speak, than maybe, you know, it, it just had become such a large part of my life that no longer being there really was this hole. And Mm -hmm. now I'm, in Michigan, we get terrible weather in the winter. It's been overcast for several days, cruddy, what I call cruddy weather. And I don't <laughs> ski, I don't snowmobile, I don't do anything that's winter outside sports. So it mm-hmm. really, it really messes with your mind, so to speak, because it allows yeah. you time to focus on all the things you can't do. Right. Yeah. It it really does put you in sort of a limited. And it, and it even this sounds bad, but in a victimhood mentality too. Like, why did this happen to me? And you know, it's really easy to get stuck in that. And with reason. I mean, there is definitely, and this is something I talk about too. Is you can't just you know you can't just do the think positive mentality either. Like you you do have to you do have to grieve your loss. Like there's a you that has died. The healthy you before illness is gone. And so grieving that is, is hard. And there, there definitely is a depression that can set in and often does, but, and I, but that's what I try to do too. in my coaching is 
validate those feelings, validate the difficulty, but we can't stay there because if we stay there, we're stuck and we're not becoming the person that is still there, still there, illness or not. Yeah, it's it's funny you mention it that way because I I think my 20s was more of a a victimhood. Why me? And it made me, in many ways, not a pleasant person to be around, a very Mm -hmm. quick-tempered, lash out at people. If this is going to be me, you know, I'm just not going to take it, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. just not a overall times when I just wasn't a good person. The 30s was more of kind of coming to grips with it and acceptance, Mm -hmm. which led into my 40s, which were a great decade. Because I finally was no longer caring about what somebody might think, might say, might feel about my condition. All that stuff you know you're self-conscious about in your your teens and 20s. By your 40s, I had shed that to an attitude of "Eh, whatever. And (laughs) it was uh, almost, I, I can remember certain people at work going, there's nothing that said that bothers you. It's all like water off a duck's back. And I'm like, yeah, I, why let it bother me? Because the only person going to be hurt by it is me. Exactly. Yeah, that's so true. But I know it is easy to get stuck there. And I, I think a lot of people right after diagnosis too, there's there's really no one, especially with rare, more rare conditions. Although what I have, interstitial cystitis, is not that rare. They just tell us it is. Um, and a lot of people don't know they have it, but they do. Um, your initial response is to go into these forums. And I would caution <laughs> anyone listening to this, if you are newly diagnosed, be really careful about going into the forums. Um, they can be really helpful, but they're also usually full of people who have never gotten to the point where you did in your 40s. They're still struggling still in pain, still dealing with a lot of those emotions that they haven't worked through. I'm not always super popular for saying this, by the way. Sometimes people are like, you're, you're, not, you're invalidating emotions, you're invalidating how hard it is, and that's never my intention. But I just don't want to see people living in that state of victimhood forever because, you know, you've still got a life to live. Yeah, and I think a lot of it can come into play when you get your diagnosis. Yeah. I got mine at 14. I'm 50 now. Oh, my. That's a long time to come to grips with it, to process. And I would not expect somebody that got their diagnosis a year ago, six months ago, five years ago, to be in the same spot I am. I would hope Mm -hmm. they can get there one day because it only benefits them. So Right. As an admin on one of the Facebook forums, I have Mm -hmm. a very hard time being always empathetic to everybody posting in there. And I really have to watch myself to go, ridiculous question, ridiculous question, you know, (laughs) and think about going, oh, wait, maybe they were just diagnosed six months ago or a year ago. Yeah. And my diagnosis was at 14 was in 1984. There was no internet. So... There was nobody to talk to about what I had. It was like, you go to the doctor, he says, here's what's going on. I'll see you in six months or a year. Yeah. Who do you talk to? Yeah. You know. No, yeah. So it took through my late 30s in through my 40s, I finally decided that I was not capable of 100% fixing myself. And I had good insurance, so I started to use the mental health benefits and went to counseling for 
oh gosh, probably longer than was needed, but Mm -hmm. it was worthwhile and it, it really did help to put some things in perspective about my past attitudes and how it carried over into everything. Relationships with family, Mm -hmm. relationships with spouses, relationships with kids, you know, just everything. And really how, as I looked at what was going on in my relationships, the central theme of all of them was me. And if I wanted to change Mm -hmm. how all of those spokes in the wheel were, I had to first change the hub, which was me. That's so good. Not sure it's worked, yeah. but that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> Has it worked for you? If it's worked for you, then that's what matters. I think so. You know, okay. I, I think it has. I think um, mm-hmm. I think I've carried over into a better me now. I don't know if it's from age, therapy, or a combination of all of the above. Mm-hmm. But it certainly... I'm at times a lot different person, which is which is really what I wanted. So yes, I it was successful in that aspect. Good. So you have a podcast, and I do. It's called Chronically Well Podcast, and in that mm-hmm. you don't focus on any one specific chronic illness. You kind of pull in people that are dealing with all sorts of different items to then find out what their specialty is and and how that can cross all chronic illnesses from the way I understand and what I've listened to so far. Yeah. So um, I try to kind of take more of a mental health psychological approach to it um, than I do purely what is your illness. (laughs) Most of I'd say about 95% of my guests have had an illness, but not all of them. I also really try to focus on wellness. So there was an episode where I had a therapist on just talking about her experience with working with patients that have chronic illness and the benefits of therapy. Um, I had another one where I talked about yoga and the importance of connecting with the body for healing. So really just, it's always, it's going to benefit you if you have a chronic illness, each of the episodes, but not every episode is about particular illness, if that makes sense. But I do try to highlight um, and bring exposure to a lot of um, different illnesses, you know, that I didn't even know the particulars of cystic fibrosis when I interviewed someone. Um, and now I feel like I'm understanding. I just love it because I feel like I'm I'm understanding people. And I'm, as you understand these illnesses, you do understand the emotional aspect of things more and more when you understand what's tied to each of these specific illnesses as well. So, yeah, not, not one in particular. Yeah, just learning about axial spondyloarthritis, having it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trying to add in all sorts of different, you know, a, a high level of all these different illnesses would be quite an undertaking. So I, I applaud you for doing that. That's really ambitious and, and fantastic. Thanks. It's been it's been good. I just, you know, I also am a hypochondriac. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm always coaching myself through each interview like, OK, Kelly, you don't necessarily have this. <laughs> You're just talking to this person about what they have. So I've really had to hone in the anxiety a little bit, too, as I have explored all of these different illnesses as well. Yeah, you definitely don't want to uh, don't want to assume any extra illnesses from your guests. No, we don't want to manifest anything. So I'm working hard on that. Bingo. That's the word manifest. Well, (laughs) one thing I want to talk about, and this really is a topic that covers all chronic illnesses and I think can be faced by most people in the United States without an illness but I think having a chronic illness can make it even more of a challenge and that's a divorce 
Mm-hmm. something you're intimately familiar with as you're going through the process right now. And I myself have been through three of them. So oh, I'm sorry. No, oh, I'm, I'm not. It's just part of life. And you, you know, you, you know, move everybody on. says that I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For I'm sorry. Everyone says I'm sorry. And every time I'm just like, no, no, this is what ha- This was the natural progression of things. This is nothing to, nothing you need to be sorry about. Yeah. It's always sad when a relationship comes to an end, especially sure. if it's not in a good position, I, and I don't know how many really come in a good way, but not too many. it's sad when there's kids involved, and in my case, there was in the first one. It's sad okay. because of what can happen or could have happened, what could have been, right. but right. sometimes it's good in the fact that the person that you're with really wasn't the right person. Right. Yes. You know, now that's certain religions are going to say, well, you marry once and it's it's for better, for worse. I, I know the vows, trust me, I've heard them multiple times, repeated them multiple times. But <laughs> there are times when it just, you have to, with a chronic illness, say, I'm more important. I'm worth not being in this situation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's really where I got, you know, there we really were to a place where it was toxic and there were some very hurtful things said to me, some hurtful things that occurred. And this is again, my perspective on all of it, but I, I got to a point in my healing. So, so I, I got sick after my youngest was six months old. And so I had three little kids. I got sick. I was in pain for about a year and a half before I found, well, before I started taking a medication that really helped me. And then, you know, mostly in remission these days. But as I was healing, I was learning about the mind-body connection. And again, not to get too woo-woo, but our body listens to our brain. And also when we're in continual levels of high stress, that makes it very difficult for the body to heal. So not every illness, obviously, you can heal. You know, lots of them are progressive. and um, But there are some that you can put into a state of remission and mine is one. So I was really wanting to get there. And the more I read, the more I realized I was in a continual state of fight or flight. I was continually worried that I was going to make my husband angry, that I was going to do something to make him upset or just sort of that constant eggshell walking. And, and, and not only that, but, you know, when you get an illness too, it's really, really difficult for the people around you to understand what you're going through. And I'm sure probably most of the listeners have been through where they have experienced that the person that they're with thinks that maybe you're doing this for attention, or maybe you're like, there's sometimes some shaming and how you're handling it. I did not handle it well. So like, in his defense, he was right. Like, I was not handling things well. But, you know, to hear that from the person that's supposed to be supporting you when you're already knowing that you're feeling is just so much. And I just didn't feel like I had that support. And I didn't feel like I could reach out for the support that I needed to without him being frustrated by that. So it was really messy and really icky. And I just felt like if I really am going to heal, I need to get to a place where the parasympathetic nervous system, there's the the nerdy psychologist in me, takes over. We can't heal when we're in fight or flight mode. We just, we can't. And I I remember one of the last straws I had, um, like a hormone test done of my cortisol levels and everything. And literally my cortisol was actually off the chart high. (laughs) Like 
it was so high, you, you couldn't even see it on the chart. And it was steadily that way. And I remember my doctor being like, is there a reason, you know, that your stress levels are so high? And I couldn't tell him. I didn't feel like I could tell him that it was my marriage, but I knew. And at that moment, I was just like, I I have to do something or I'm literally going to be sick my entire life. And, you know, I'm not going to blame this on my ex-husband. It wasn't his fault. But I do think that I struggled with healing because I was stuck. <laughs> I was stuck in a really toxic situation. So part of coming to wellness for me was my divorce. And it was something that weighed heavily on me. It wasn't something I came to easily. Um, I grew up in a very conservative background where, you know, divorce was ungodly. And, you know, I got a lot of advice from a lot of people that you stick it out and you stay miserable if you're miserable. But I had been sick and I wanted to get better. And I had actually healed a lot physically, but um, I wanted to that way. And I felt like I was being disingenuous about, you know, I, I had started my podcast and everything. And I was like, I'm not really living in a wellness mindset if a majority of my life is spent miserable. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, that is kind of the story of my divorce. Yeah, that, that was about two years ago that um, we started the process, and here I am today. Yeah, it's a, it's a messy process. I found that the, the divorce itself is simple. That's a, once you decide the divorce, it's a business transaction. It's, yep. it's how to split the financial assets of the marriage. Yep. And that's easy, and the attorneys can help you with that, no problem, if their attorneys are involved. The hard part mm -hmm. is the splitting of the emotional part of the relationship. And right. some do it better than others. I've had, mm -hmm. you know, I, I always say that when I came out of my first marriage, I had PTSD. Mm -hmm. It was such mm -hmm. a toxic situation for both of us. It was, mm -hmm. you know, I was just as bad to her as she was to me. And mm -hmm. by the time I left that marriage, I didn't know what being nice was. I didn't know mm. how to function with another person properly and not, oh, if you're going to zing me, I'm going to get you twice as hard, so to speak. That's how right. yeah. bad it was and unhealthy. And mm. when it, that took a lot of, lot of coaching and therapy to kind of get through and, and figure out that I didn't have to be that type of person that not everybody was my ex and not everybody deserved that type of treatment. And that was really a the beginning in my journey to a real eye opener. Yeah. So yeah, it, that's good though that, that you came to that. Yeah, you have to. And it's really a cathartic event when you realize that and you can put it behind. And as you indicated, when you're in that fight or flight method, your body mm -hmm. never relaxes. It never nope. gets that time to fix itself. And for axial spondyloarthritis, that pushes the likelihood of having a flare up where your body just says, forget it. I'm going to, I'm going to ramp up the inflammation in your body and cause immense pain. 
And it's mm-hmm. it's a challenge. And as you mentioned, when you have a spouse, something like axial spondroarthritis or any of these other conditions that are not in the news every day, right. your partner, you might be the first person that they've ever encountered with this. Mm-hmm. So when they don't give it as much attention or aren't as accepting of it, I've told people that have what the condition I do, play your partner some of my episodes so that they hear somebody talking about it yes. besides you. Yeah, no, that's huge. And that that's one thing that I do try to focus on in coaching is actually coaching your spouse or your friends, giving them resources. I've even volunteered before to talk to together with their spouse or their boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever, because, you know, I think we just automatically assume that the person that we love is going to understand like I mean think about how well at least for me I did not progress through my grief well not that there's a well way to to grieve but I didn't and I just kind of stumbled into everything I just kind of figured it out eventually but it was not graceful and then for us to assume that the person that we're with is going to understand how to do that with us just as well or better is not really fair so I think having grace for them as well and knowing that they're not going to handle things perfectly and that it's, you know, I don't think, I want to make clear that I, I don't think that, I think that it's very, I think it's very possible for you to have a chronic illness and have the person that you love go through it with you in a positive way. Just because my experience was different doesn't mean that that can't be true for other people. You know, it just, it takes listening. It takes, it takes understanding that the other person has faults. You know, for me, it's, anxiety and fear and you know just if I had had someone that had said you're going to be okay this is going to be okay and I'm going to help you and I'm here with you along the way and that's what I've, I've told everyone that I work with is if you can just tell them that you don't need them to fix it and you don't need them to fix you but you need to know that they're going to stick with you and be with you and be a support to you if you can just have that I think that that's that's everything that and just to know that you can communicate your fears and communicate this is terrifying me I might be in pain forever this scares me and not to feel any judgment and not to feel any criticism for the way that you're handling it and if you have a day where you need to cry in your room because it hurts and this is hard just to know that the other person isn't going to judge you for it but it's going to be there loving you with grace like oh man if I could have just had that if I could have that (laughs) that's huge we need that especially you know we need that in everything not just chronic illness but particularly when you are someone who has flare-ups or has an illness that um, it comes back or it's always there or you know just just having someone that says I'm there and I love you that's huge and so whatever I can do in coaching to help people communicate that in a loving way to their significant other um, I really try to do and um, give some resources for that well and speaking of coaching you offer Mm -hmm. a couple different packages that people can hire you to work with you, so to speak. And one of them, you have a four and an eight week package, but if somebody's not Mm -hmm. sure what the the best option for them is, you also have a mini session where they can work with you for, what is it, a half an hour or so and, and really see what the best way that you may be able to help them, or maybe that you can't help them depending on what they, what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I found that the mini sessions have been great because I think, you know, it's it's confusing. Like, what is what is a chronic wellness coach? <laughs> so I think people 
when we meet in a half hour session, I'm able to listen to what they're going through specifically and able to tell them kind of how I could tailor coaching for them. You know, my, my coaching is pretty much built around a lot of the research that I looked into that I was mentioning before. So reestablishing that identity in different areas, ways to get your body into the parasympathetic even if you're under stress. So we always experience stress, but how do we get ourselves out of that fight or flight mode? And so um, I get really specific based on the person. So we'll have four one-hour sessions if it's the four-week or eight one-hour sessions if it's the eight-week, but we meet weekly and kind of talk through the topic. Um, And then based on what they've told me, um, I plot out a plan for them um, for each day. And they go through, they do the tasks, they journal, we get back together, we talk about it, um, we adjust things, and then we move on to the next topic. And I, the nice thing about the mini sessions, too, is that I can kind of get an idea of what, because I feel like everybody has um, certain areas that they need to focus on more. Um, I had one client who really wanted to focus on the relationship aspect of things. Like she had the personal growth down, she had the meditation down, she had all of that down. So we didn't even talk about that, but we, um, so we skipped that week and we just spent a couple weeks on talking about relationships and um, how she can, I kind of gave her some, like, we actually plotted it out. This is what you should say to your wife. And so it was, it's just, yeah, I I think the mini sessions are nice if you're unsure, if you're just kind of wanting to kind of dip your toe in and see what coaching would be like, or if it's just, or if you just want to like, just like a little tune up, you know, just where you just want to touch base with somebody and be like, Hey, I've been looking into these things or, Hey, could you give me some books to read about this? Or just, I try to kind of point people in a direction. And especially this time just with coronavirus and the loneliness that everyone's experiencing. I think that those of us with chronic illness, it's even worse. I think we're already isolated and, now with all of this, we're even isolated further. So I just kind of want to provide like a safe place for people to feel like they can come and talk about their illness or talk about their um, emotions or whatever. Divorce is a new topic that I've opened up to discussing with people. Um, I do try to caution that I am not a licensed therapist over the age of 21. So I am licensed to counsel kids up to 21. But so it's not therapy per se, it is definitely coaching. But I am, I do have a background in mental health. So, so you're in good hands if you do decide that that's something you would want to explore. Well, great. And for the listeners, when you listen mm-hmm. to this below, there's going to be links to Callie's Instagram page, which is at River and Quill. There's also the link to where you can her website where you can see the coaching and she has a few freebies out there. There's a tab at the top of the website marked free stuff. And so there's a few things that they can peruse through read and lots and lots of blog posts. So I, as well as links to your podcast episode. So there's a lot of content there for people to delve into and review and read to get a real good idea of, of how your process works. Yeah. Most of it's free. <laughs> I try. I've been putting everything out there for free. So yeah, it's it's all there for you if you want to take it more on an individual level. That's what the coaching is for. Yeah, because you've got archives going back to geez, 2014. 
So yeah, there is just a lot of things available for folks to delve into. And I'll have links to all this in the show notes. So don't think that anybody listening that you've got to write everything down, just go to the show notes. You'll have direct access to all of Callie's links and, and websites and information. So it's all right there for you. And Callie, again, I know we kind of just touched based on a few things, but I really mm-hmm. appreciate all the the time you've given and just the different things that cover. I, I think it's really important at times when, for example, with axial spondyloarthritis, that we look to somebody that maybe doesn't have the same disease, but can help with a chronic illness mentality and how to overcome some of the roadblocks or hurdles that we encounter. So I really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. And I just kind of want to add, this is sort of my little phrase (laughs) that I throw out there and it may be cheesy, but you know what? I'm going to say it anyway. I think a lot of us with chronic illness, we we get this diagnosis and we hear this is it and we're going to be sick forever. And we feel like this is very much the end of our story, but it's just a plot twist. It's a plot twist. And if we can figure out how to come back to ourselves, if we can really dive into who we are, I honestly think illness can be a huge gift because it can really give you an opportunity to see all there is um, in your life ahead of you. And you'll just appreciate it so much more if you can take on that wellness mindset. So not the end of your story, just the plot twist. I completely agree. I'm living it by doing this podcast to help others. And again, had knowing the type of person I was in my 20s, if if anybody would have said, oh, he's going to make something up in the future that will help others, that would have not even been a thought that crossed anybody's mind in relation to me. So doing this, I found therapy for myself in the interactions with the listeners, and that's been very, very good for my own mental well-being. And so I'm always glad that I can bring something of value to the listeners, and I hope that the ones that are interested engage with you, reach out to you, follow you on your Instagram at River and Quill, or go to your Mm -hmm. website where they can contact you directly. And again, there's some great recent blog posts as well as podcast episodes. So I'll have a link to all of this in the show notes for the listeners. But Callie, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Jason. And yes, please, anyone reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. Is the best spot to usually get in touch with you on uh, Instagram real quick? Yep. Instagram is the best. I check my messages multiple times daily. Um, But yeah, you can also message me through the website. I check my email as well. But yeah, Instagram is kind of my my jam. So great. That would be that'd be good. Well, everybody go check out Callie's Instagram page at River and Quill. And again, thank you. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too, Jason. Bye. Bye bye.